Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I have to be honest, I did a dry run last night, yes. Got the flour out, the eggs, the milk, the water, the pinch of salt, the butter, the pan and started doing them and had one after another. Lovely thin ones, yes, lovely thin ones. I was lucky to get one myself at the end of the night. <laughs> they arrived and everyone enjoyed them with their favourite treat on top. Yes, it is Shrove Tuesday. I'm talking pancakes. I always do a dry run on the Monday just to make sure that I'm up to speed. Because really, it's just at this time of the year, I make them personally. But people enjoy them all year round, for sure. Well, there's somebody standing by on the line. I said to her before, when she was with me in studio, spoke to her on the phone a number of times. She is one to watch. She's a rising star when it comes to culinary matters in Ireland. Originally from Drogheda, she's a chef, food writer, content creator and co-founder of creative agency Danu. And she's been writing and talking and making pancakes in recent days. Rowan Byrne, welcome back to Late Lunch. Hello, how are you? I'm really, really good. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Well, come on, first up, be honest with me. Do you love pancakes? Have you always loved pancakes? Where has that come from? <laughs> yeah, uh, being asked to talk about pancakes the last few days has been a treat and a half. I absolutely love it. Um, I don't know, I think it definitely came from my dad. He always made them for like special occasions growing up. What is his basic recipe and that you use still today? Yeah, so it's literally the easiest thing in the world. It's just a cup of milk, a cup of plain flour and an egg and then like a pinch of salt. So it's like four ingredients, easiest thing in the world and then just whisk it up. And on the pan, thin or thick or middle sized or what? How do you love them? I always go for quite thin like crepe style. My dad's a big fan of those. He doesn't like the fluffy ones. But um, yeah, just like add a bit of milk to whatever texture you want and then you have nice kind of crepe style pancakes. I love it. One cup flour, one cup milk, one egg. It's one, one, one and just a pinch of salt and, and a wee bit, bit of butter. Do you struggle with the first one? I always find the first pancake on the pan is a blackguard altogether. It's just not right. And then it sort of settles into a pattern. Oh, yeah. I think it's purely to do with the heat and everything. I always just give the first one to the dog. He seems to love it. But, um, yeah, there's a good trick to that, though, is cleaning the pan in between your pancakes um, with the kitchen towel and then using fresh butter. Because if the butter starts to kind of blacken, it'll not be as great. Okay. But the first one is just always a dud. You have to sacrifice it. Your dog's a lucky dog. Does your dog like anything on the pancake or does he just get it plain? He just likes it plain. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You heat the pan, obviously, first to melt the butter. And then do you take it down to a sort of a middle, medium temperature, is it, when you're cooking them? Yeah, absolutely. So always go up to melt the butter and then when it starts sizzling, uh, leave it at kind of medium to high. Everyone's pans and uh, hobs seem to be a bit different. But if you can kind of leave it at that bit where it's cooking nicely, but not burning and going black instantly, you kind of have it. 
Yeah, okay. So we have you there. And um, do you do them? What frustrates me, I'm I'm the chef. I'm the chef with the pancakes, well, with most things in the house, but with pancakes in particular. And I put them under the a little warm grill and I put them between two plates and stack them there till I'm ready to go. Because if not, you know what I mean, I'd be just cooking Absolutely. and everyone else eating. Is that an okay way to store them, keep them warm? Yeah, definitely. I always just pop them a paper towel under them as well to stop them going kind of soggy onto each other. So if you put one in between each pancake, it's really, really handy. But on the grill, especially if you just leave on a low heat, it's perfect. It's really handy. Lovely. That's a good tip in between each of them to keep them right. Mm. So thin you love them, the basic recipe. So here you are. I saw you quoted in one of the national papers the weekend saying you grew up with Nutella and saying that it's unreal with strawberries and bananas. Oh my God, am I salivating now even thinking about (laughs) that what's your favorite are you you're a sweet pancake lover obviously rather than savory are you always always um i don't mind the el savory one but i'd always go for sweet kind of fruits uh or chocolate or maple syrup things like that Mm. I, I have to tell you and they know in late lunch lunch they're fed up me saying it every year I am a devil for the caster sugar and lemon I just love oh, that yeah. on them Classic. oh Rowan I tell you uh, you, mm. you you can't beat it but I suppose it's whatever tickles your fancy whatever you like in them isn't it when it comes to sweet I think so and that's why that recipe is quite handy because it like just gives a kind of a plain pancake flavour not too sweet not too savoury so like um, my partner he'd always go for savoury but he can just put savoury toppings on that one I can put sweet and you don't have to make two pancake bases if that makes sense Yes if you were going savoury what's nice savoury wise on that ordinary pancake recipe you you mentioned there what would you Mm. recommend? Uh, a lot of people like kind of pancetta just fried up with a bit of maple syrup on it um, in a kind of crepe style it can be very nice but yeah usually bacon would be the main one um, I've seen some people do like tomato relish and cheese and things like that which I think would be nice mm. uh, but in, in terms of uh, you know pancakes coming back to what I said generally like I did the dry run yesterday I'll do them today I might do them once more this week but then really I push it aside for the year is that generally the way, you know, that for ordinary five-eighths like myself, it happens. We just do it for these few days and then it's good luck till next year. I think so. I've always kind of made that. I kind of go in phases of them through the year, but I think they can be really handy, especially like my dad would have always done them for birthdays and things like that in the morning. Yeah. But um, I think if you have kids and things like that on the weekend, it can be a nice treat because they can be quite filling and things. And they are so luxurious in that, aren't they? They're just a real comfort food for sure. But but I, I take it as well that if you wanted on a day, you could have them for breakfast, lunch and dinner, all three. Oh, yeah, that's what I'll be doing today. Will yeah. you? Will you? <laughs> yeah. So listen, you've had them. OK, so let's hold on here. You've had them already breakfast time this morning, had you? Yeah, I won't have them for lunch. I'll just have like something else and then I'll go back to them for dinner. Okay, <laughs> what what was your breakfast ones this morning? What did you have on your pancakes this morning? Uh, I just went with maple syrup for the morning ones. Okay, and would you eat many of them, say on a decent sized pan? How many of them would you put away? Uh, myself, I'd probably only eat like one, one and a half maybe. But like yourself, I always make them for everyone and then hopefully get one at the end. Yeah, <laughs> last in the queue is, is right. Now, evening time. So let's carry on to evening and you're going to make them again this evening. What will you have on them this evening? Will you change what you put on them? Yeah, I think I'll go with uh, some banana, strawberries. we got a load of blueberries and things like that. And then a nice dollop of Nutella. 
lovely. Oh, my word. Yes, they're... Listen, uh, they are so uh, luxurious and gorgeous when you when you mention those dressings as well. What about the batter? Have you your batter made from morning or will you make a fresh batch for evening? Yeah, so one of the things with it as well is if you make your pancake batter, um, if you leave it to sit for as long as you can, so like I was just popping in until I'm ready, but if you can leave it to sit for even an hour or two, it just relaxes the flour of your skin, so it makes them like way more light and not as chewy and things like that. Um, so yeah, if you make it in the morning, you just need to whisk it again that evening and you can 100% once it's covered and in the fridge. There you go. So you can store it and the longer, as you say, the texture is is better yeah. with it. Um, is it a thing in Ireland, like, you know, you hear about crepes and, and of course, the French and the luxurious ones, crepes Suzette and the savoury ones, etc. They seem to make a lot more use of them, if I'm just using France as an example, than ourselves. Do you think they should become more mainstream, as you said there, with your children at weekends? There's more. We can do a lot more with them, basically, I'm saying. I think so. And it's really interesting. I've noticed at a few festivals around Ireland recently, the savoury ones have been huge. So I saw someone posted at Electric Picnic, there was uh, a crepe van that was doing like ham and cheese ones and all these things. And that's like a really handy carry around outdoor food kind of a thing. Mm. Oh, yeah. So I think definitely. Yeah. Ham and cheese melted in the in the pancake. Oh, now you're talking. That's my kind of a, a chat for sure. I think I could live in them. I could do a full day with them for sure with different uh, fillings, etc. in them. Anyways, you're you're living down Wicklow Way now, are you? Yeah, I just living in Greystones at the moment. Um just there's that dog the, looking for more pancakes. Do you hear oh him in the gosh. background? <laughs> you can hear me talking about them. Yeah. Um, no, he's too funny. <laughs> so you're de- de- and 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 work wise, what what are you up to at the minute? Yeah, so working full time at at Danu, and we have a social enterprise project at the moment. Um, so TU Dublin are doing one, aiming to feed two thousand five hundred students in thirty days. So on my Instagram and things like that, I have a GoFundMe up. So. We hit over a thousand today, so we're delighted. Well done to you. I love that. That's fantastic. It really is. There's something now I didn't realise. That's a fantastic, a challenging project. Definitely. Uh, we've about a month till the National Actors Competition, so it's go, go, go. Absolutely. Well, listen, you go, go, go there and look after that dog. Flip him another pancake there and that'll settle <laughs> him down. Lovely to catch up with you. Thank you for joining me on Shrove Tuesday, Rowan. Thank you for having me on. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Bye. That's Roanne Byrne there. Lovely, lovely girl. And going places, I can tell you, in the culinary world. How do you like yours? Louise, how do you like yours? I know you love pancakes. I didn't have a chance to make a few and bring them into you today. I was doing another job, as you know, this morning. Um, how right, do you like them? tomorrow. <laughs> Well, you never get off the hook. This woman's just too sharp for me. I can't get out of that one now. Uh, oh, you know what? It's Valentine's Day tomorrow. Oh, you might even do heart-shaped ones for me. I'll give the crack. you my last pancake for sure. How do you like yours? What do you like on them? What's your favourite? I just like the le- I just like the lemon and the sugar. Simple. Yeah, I think I'm not so. mad into the Nutella and all that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It's my favourite. I do love the savoury. I've tried them with the ham and the melted cheese in them as mm. well. They're nice. They are if you like a savoury one for sure. But for me, it's unanimous on late lunch today. Late lunch team love We're lemon and sugar. simple people. Well, very simple, but it's very luxurious. What do you love on your pancakes? If you care to let us know, why not? 
086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Let me know now how you like your pancakes, thick, thin or otherwise, savoury, sweet or what you love on them. We'd love to hear from you on Late Lunch. We're continuing on the pancake theme in a moment. How do you spell Rowan, Jerry? R-O-A-N-N. That's R-O-A-N-N, Barnes. Somebody there looking to check her out. She's fantastic, I promise you. Lemon and sugar in the lead at the moment from a number of listeners. Not hearing about much more in terms of toppings. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. What are you putting your pancakes? Anyway, I have a lady now who knows the ins and outs of pancakes. She's a chemistry lecturer, a chef instructor, a recipe developer, and she's worked with ilovecooking.ie. I'm delighted to say hello for the first time on Late Lunch to Mary Ann Dalton. Hello, Mary Ann. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I Thank am you so much really... for inviting me on. Oh, I'm delighted to have you on the show because I know you have seven tips. Is it seven tips for perfect pancakes? Yeah, about seven. And now I will touch a little bit on what Rowan said about letting batter rest and stuff. Right. Go. Tip. Try and help people not to get it wrong. Okay. It's very easy to read a recipe and say, oh, that's what you do. Yes. Then sometimes it doesn't go. I understand. Go on. (laughs) Which are seven tips? Um, Run us through them. Yeah, so the first one would be over mixing the batter. People keep mixing it, mixing it, and then they wonder why their pancakes are, you could nearly bounce them off a wall, that they're quite rubbery and stuff. And I suppose the easiest way to, to compare it would be like if you had pastry and then you let a three year old add it and it turned into leather. The same thing will happen. There's kind of chemical reactions that will keep going on that you don't want to happen if you overmix it and overmix it. The first tip is to only mix it until the flour is just mixed in. Okay. Then let it go. So that'll stop them being really rubbery and, and horrible and Lovely. keep them having a nice fluffy consistency. So the second one, and this is a really important one, and Rowan said it herself, not letting the batter rest. Yeah. So the reason you need to let the batter rest, well, there's two reasons. But the main one is that, um, like, Irish people don't do this. We don't rest steaks. We don't rest chicken. We don't, for some yes. reason, we don't do it. You know, we're, we, we seem to have an allergy against it. But actually, even though we can't see any changes that are happening at the time, there's little small kind of, at a molecular level, there's changes happening. And what happens in, in pancake batter is, that there's a natural enzyme called amylase. It's the same one we have in saliva in our mouth. It's perfectly natural. It's not anything that people should be like, oh my God, is that something I should be afraid of? Um, that, that starts to react with the starch in the flour and it almost digests it. And what that does is it breaks starch, which is a very complicated, big, heavy carbohydrate, down into much smaller ones. And that makes the batter really silky and really smooth and gives you a really nice, light consistency. Lovely. And it, the second thing that resting it will do is, naturally, when you mix something, you're going to get air into it and air bubbles. And for crepes, the last thing you want is little bubbles of air. You want to keep it smooth. Not the same as a big, thick, fluffy pancake. You need to keep it smooth. So leaving it rest for at least an hour is kind of Excellent. one of the, the, the big things. So if you're thinking about it for after dinner, or even for dinner, whack on your batter now, mix it up, and then just let it sit. Perfect. Walk away, you don't need to do anything else. Now, come on, rip through these next ones. Let's go. So I will. So the third one then is getting the consistency right. And that kind of, this links into the last one. When you let batter rest, it is going to thicken up. When those smart starch molecules bubble out, they're going to make it thicker. So you, you might need to add a little bit of milk. And the best way to know if your crepe batter is the right consistency is it should be the same, a single cream. Lovely. Thicker than milk, but not really, really thick. Otherwise, it won't spread around the pan easily. 
Okay. So that's the third one. And then, so uh, don't be afraid to add a little bit more milk. It will get thicker. It's supposed to. That's what's going to happen. So the fourth one then is not having the pan hot enough. Now, um, the pan should be about 200 degrees for being able to get your pancake to cook properly. If it's any lower than that, all that's going to happen is the batter will absorb. Instead of hitting the yeast and forming a nice kind of crisp layer, what will happen is, well, like a, a soft crisp layer, what will happen is it will just absorb all the oil that you or the fat that you have on the pan and it will make it soggy and heavy. And that's why people always end up giving it to the dog. Okay. said, my dog is no okay. different. Um, so getting the temperature right. But actually, one of the big problems is that a lot of people would use butter on the pan. Now, butter will burn at 175 degrees. That's its smoke point. So even though we like to have butter on our pancakes, I would suggest going with an oil that, like, say, sunflower oil that can go up to about 230 degrees because it, that shouldn't burn. If if your, your, your pan is burning, and this is another kind of moving on to the next, really, is having the pan too hot, take it off the heat. The smoke coming off your pan at all, take it off the heat, and as Roanne said, wipe it down, get a, get a, get a kitchen paper, let the pan cool down a bit, but it will smoke at the right temperature if you're using butter. I, I'm a butter and lemon on my pancakes first okay. all the time. But I put the butter on after I cook it. I cook it with a sunflower oil because then I know I'm not going to get that burnt, acrid butter taste from burnt butter. Because if I want to have my, temp- my pan at the right temperature, butter is the wrong fat okay. to use. And I right. know, yeah. So that's number four. Um, but that, well, number going into number five. Yeah. And then number five is kind of burning, having the pan too hot. But it's not just about having the pan too hot. I mean, even if you have the pan at 200 degrees, it can burn, as I said, because your butter is actually burning, because butter will burn at a much lower temperature than that. Yep. But the recipe Rowan gave was, I love it. It's one of the best simple recipes ever. The one egg, one cup of milk, one cup of thing, and a pinch of sugar, or a pinch of salt. But some people like to put sugar in their pancakes if they're making a sweet batter, mm. which is great. But again, I think if you're a cook, you're the kind of person you like to feed people. You're naturally quite sharing. You're like, oh, I'll throw an extra bit in. Sugar burns really, really easily. So... I would say for that recipe, even a teaspoon of sugar would be more than enough if you want to make a sweet batter. Adding any more, your batter, even at 200 degrees, you will get dark, burnt patches on your pan. Okay. It's not that the pan is too hot, it's that the sugar is there. Now, you have 30 seconds for the last two. Quick. The last two are um, pancake burn flipping too soon. Okay. If you flip your pancake too soon, it's going to tear. All right. That's another great mistake. People aren't patient enough. There's my seven. Did I give you seven or did I give you six? Ah, but you were running one into the other there. I think you almost have... Yeah, you have the seven. Yeah, no, you have the seven. You have them as right. And I believe you have a young man that just loves his mammy because he ate pancakes till the cows come home. Harry is his name. Is that right? Morning. Harry's his name. He's six. Morning, noon and night, Jerry. (laughs) All year round. Have to leave it there today. I'll be back to you. Marianne Dalton, thank you so much for joining me on the show. You too. Take care of yourself. Bye. 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 If you're not sorted with your pancakes now, I don't know what to say. Hi, Jerry and Louise. I make pancakes regularly for my children. A fairly basic batter, milk, eggs and flour. But one little twist 
is that I mix a drop of vanilla extract into the batter. For toppings, just use lemon juice and maple stroke golden syrup. Best wishes from a regular listener. Thank you indeed for getting in touch. That's a lovely touch. I'd say that vanilla extract just gives those pancakes a lovely, lovely kick. Jerry, I was in Perth, Scotland 40 years ago. There was a restaurant called The Pancake Place. It served everything on pancakes, even chicken curry, chilli con carne and much more. Then uh, you, they finished the uh, serving off with a sweet one topped with fruits of the season and ice cream. That comes in from June in RD today. I love it. The pancake place. There you go. Everything under the sun. Curry pancakes. Never heard of that one before. Shrove Tuesday, late lunch, LMFM radio. Welcome if you're just joining us on the show today. Let's have a chat now about a very famous man, Francis Ledwidge, the poet. Yes, if you travel the road from Slane into Drogheda or vice versa, Ledwidge Cottage is there. It's a most visited place. Very popular indeed. Well, my next guest is a relation of Francis Ledwidge and he has just completed the Ledwidge family tree and presented it to the little museum in the house there out near Slane. I'm delighted to say hello this afternoon on late lunch to Patrick Casey. Hi, Patrick. Um, Good afternoon, Jerry. Thank you for joining me on the show. Well, I've got to ask you this, and I'm sure listeners are curious. How are you related to the great man? Um, My maternal grandmother, Mary Lynch from Slane, was a sister of Anne Lynch Ledwidge, who was the mother of Francis Ledwidge. Right. So you and have... That, that means my late father, Joseph Casey, was the first cousin of the poet. Yes. So and, the and family then, is linked, yeah. And then according to genealogy, I am a first cousin once removed. There you go. So you have the Ledwidge connection. That is fair to say and and well explained there. Yes, I get it. I see where you are in terms of the family. Um, The name Ledwidge, would you tell me about the the name Ledwidge, the origins of that name? It was once thought to be um, German, like Ledwidge and Ludwig. But in fact, Ledwidge is actually a surname that originated in the hamlet of Upper Ledwidge in Shropshire, England. Mm. Spelled L-E-D-W-I-C-H-E. And um, in fact, some of the earlier Ledwidge families used the spelling L-E-D-W-I-C-H. Right. And in, and in fact, I have found examples where the poet himself was referred to as Francis Ledwidge, W-I-C-H. Mm, interesting. So that is the definitive uh, source of the family name, which has changed a little in the spelling uh, since. You and the family tree, it, it, this has never been done before. That Nobody has ever worked to put together uh, the Ledwidge tree, no? No, not, uh, not to my knowledge. Um, none, none existed prior to this. So, you know, you're talking about uh, a big task uh, to undertake here. How far, where does the tree start? How far do you go back? Who are, who are Who's top of the tree? Um, there's a James Ledwidge in 1763. Okay. And take us along from there. How does it come down then to Francis? It comes down through a number of um, James Ledwidges. In fact, Someone don't spell J-A-Jams, J-A-M-S. 
probably probably bad handwriting or bad yes. spelling. Mm. And um, eventually comes down to uh, James Pat Ledwidge, who was the father of Patrick Ledwidge. Okay. So uh, who was the father of Francis Ledwidge. Right, so you, you go back a long way and it comes down to the names. And from where you start, where you mentioned that uh, place in the UK, it, it, is it back there it begins with that first name? That's where, that's where the name originated. And um, the family arrived in Ireland after the Anglo-Norman invasion of Ireland in the late 12th century. Right. And a family of, of a Ledwish family was granted extensive tracts of land in Mead and uh, Westmead. Okay. But then, in common with all, with many other older English families, many of the Ledwiches backed the wrong horse and took the losing side in the wars of the 17th century. Yes. And uh, were dispossessed of the lands. Okay. And now, it would appear, sorry. No, go ahead. It would appear, it would appear that Francis Ledwidge's family would, have, would be descended from one of these families because... During my research, apart from finding family records in County Mead parishes, I also found many in County West Mead. In fact, as I walked through the tree and walked backwards, I found myself moving westwards through um, County Mead and then into West Mead. So it would appear that Francis Ledridge could be descended from that, those original settlers. Okay, so that there is a Westmead connection there, then which led them into Mead and to the Slane area where the museum and the cottage is. That's correct. You you start obviously with a tree, as you say, in the present day and work backwards. I'm sure there was a mountain of work involved here, and you know, with the the records you mentioned, misspellings there, etc. But the, the gaps in records was that difficult. Um, yes, you came up, you came against um, up against stone walls. But in fact, it wasn't as difficult as you might imagine, because um, I had been working on my own Casey family tree for many years, on and off, and uh, picking it up, and I got inquiries and that and so forth. But um, I had also included the Ledbridge link in in the Casey family tree, mm. so. It was a matter of extracting that data and using it as a foundation to build a, a, a full family tree. Yes. How, how long would this? How long were you working on this project? Um, for many months. And what I'll tell you the the background to it. Um, the idea for this tree came uh, came during a visit to Colum and Rosemary Yore who were staunch and long-term members of the Francis Ledwidge Museum Committee. Yeah. And um, they very kindly invited me down to lunch one day at the House of Slane. And um, in the course of the conversation, the problem of people visiting the museum, writing and emailing, suggesting they were related to the Francis Ledwidge was came up for discussion. Um, there were examples of um, a Red Indian from a Native American tribe calling to the late Joe Ledridge when even claiming to be related. Another story of a colored lady from Africa calling to Rosemary Lior, claiming to be related. My. And um, um, there are also a number of <coughs> people abroad claiming to be related based on 
incorrect information they copy from other websites. Yes. What happens? What happens with these um, family websites? Um, people actually use them for information purposes, but in the process, they very often um, repeat errors. Yes. <laughs> and then, when an error crops up a number of times in websites, then people assume that it must be correct. Yeah, it's compounded uh, time and again. It's, mm. it's compounded. I found I found the case in um, my own family tree, for example. Um, my great grandfather John Casey um, was married twice. Now that wouldn't be unusual, except for the fact his first wife was still living. Mm. But when I dug deep, I discovered that um, there were actually two different John Caseys <laughs> right. living living in complete opposite ends of the town of Albriggan, where where we're from. Yes. So that's. That's the type of, and this was from a fairly professional site yeah. as well. And, and, and um, you know what I'm thinking? You've done a fantastic service because now with the definitive family tree there and in possession of the museum, you've presented and handed it across. It's fantastic now when people call and if they feel they're related or whatever, there it is. There it is. The definitive work. The tree has been done. You have done a great service uh, to the museum, to the Ledwidge family history. And uh, well done to Colm and Rosemary Yore for encouraging you to do this. You're a well-known man, I know, in this neck of the woods because you were uh, deputy principal in the Drogheda VC for 10 years there, 70 to 80. And then you became principal in Balbriggan, I see, Community College, where you spent almost 20 years there. So you're well-known in the, in the ap- academic community. And I'd say well suited to this type of work, uh, Patrick. Well, well, uh, I find it a challenge because um, at my age, you need to keep the brain taking over. Yeah. And um, work like this is a great stimulation. And I find working on a computer, um, time flies. Yeah. You know, you start you start a project maybe at one o'clock in the afternoon. <coughs> You think you're only on for an hour or so, and you look at the clock and it's tea time. It's time for the news. <laughs> to catch up yeah. on the day if you can manage to but, watch it at times but, the way but, it is. But, at the but, going back to your, to your, to your compliments, um, I looked upon the project as a labour of love uh, because he, he is a close relative. Yeah, of course. Of course. You and were... I also consider I am returning one of the many favours the museum committee for the children work they have done over many many years mm. to keep the memory keep his memory alive yeah. and promote his beautiful poetry yes and uh, you know that's a, a tremendous tribute as you say to a group of dedicated people because it is a fantastic resource and it receives many many visits from all over the world each year now that you've this um, done and dusted what's keeping you busy at the minute can I ask you before we finish up um, I haven't. Well, I've got to go back to. I've got to back to, to my own family tree because I, in the in the process of um, extracting the ledger's links from it, it has got tossed around a bit. So it needs to be. I need. I, it will be put on the back border. So I need to go back and um, get that up to date. Yeah. Um, I've also proposed. Um, to the museum committee that they would acquire a, a special laptop 
and load the Ancestry website and all the records I have accumulated and saved on my own machine so that in, in, in future any callers claiming that they were related could be introduced to the programme, asked to key in their details and would very quickly know whether they were related or not. Yeah. Uh, it could also be it could also be used by museum staff to um, answer queries. So that, if the if the committee are interested in in that step, I that would be my next um, project. Good on you, Patrick. Listen, great to catch up with you today in the show. You've done good, I have to say. And if, uh, to say to listeners, if you're by that way this year, if you have anyone visiting, send them out there and have a look at the definitive Ledwidge family tree completed by the one and only Patrick Casey. Thank you for taking time to chat to me today in the show. Appreciate it, Patrick. My pleasure, Jerry. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's uh, Patrick Casey there. Wonderful project he's been involved in. It takes a lot of time and dedication and tenacity and commitment for sure. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Back in a moment with more about your pancakes and our two on Tuesday. It's time for our two on Tuesday. Two on Tuesday. Playing the songs that just never quite made it to number one. But we were so close. I'm supposed to be number one. one. We were so close. Two on Tuesday. Two truths on a Tuesday. Actually, can't believe that this song is uh, a number two. I, I, re- I really can't. I'm going back to February uh, 2001, and in fact, it came straight in at number two in the charts and only stayed there for a single week. Yes, I don't think I featured them before on my two and Tuesday. Here they are. It's you two and stuck in a moment. I hope you're not stuck in a moment this evening with your pancake. Make sure they don't stick to the pan. Anyway, it's our two on Tuesday from the greatest rock band in the world. I'm afraid of anything in this world. There's nothing you can throw at me that I haven't already That's our two on Tuesday on Late Lunch. Yes, it's you too. And uh, the number two song. So what was number one? The song that prevented it from making it to top spot. Well, when I tell you it was a huge hit at the time, well, we're going to make a decision on it myself and Louise in a moment. What do you think? Should you two have made it to number one ahead of this one? Here we go. Atomic Kitten. Hole again. Yes, Atomic Kitten, Hole Again, the number one that prevented you two stuck in a moment, making it to top spot. There are alternative lyrics to that song, but you couldn't sing them at this time of the day, perhaps any time of the day either, Louise. You know what I'm talking about? I don't about. know them. Oh, no, well, I'll have a cl- fuckle in your clues off air. <laughs> I don't want us closed <laughs> down. <laughs> I don't think I want one of them either. <laughs> well, a word in your ear. Why not? I know. Um, the uh, decision of the jury, which for you? I think they was the right decision. Yeah. Atomic Kitten. Absolutely. Yeah, I see people messaging us in there. My favourite mm. Atomic Kitten song. Stuck in a moment. It's a great song. You too. Yeah, I don't know. Hole Again seems to have a happy factor to it or something. We sing a long song to it. 
I can't make me mind up. I'll let you decide today. I'll leave the decision with you. Okay. I'm I'm de- I, I, I'm I'm opting out on this one. Atomic Kitten, it is on late lunch today. Number one, one hundred percent right, says our Louise. You're at late lunch on LMFM radio. He's on the way and today he's talking about would you believe this, Louise? The Volkswagen Golf is fifty years old. Fifty. This year. Fifty years. It's fifty years, nineteen seventy four, since the first golf came out and there have been a number of iterations since. It's among... always really a young man's car, wasn't it? Oh, what a car. Well, I, I, I'm nearly sure Tony Connell's on his way. Tony loves the Golf. He said it to me before. Anyway, among other motoring matters, we're talking about the Volkswagen Golf at 50 in a few moments. Yes, you're at Late Lunch on LMFM Radio and we're motoring for the next while and our man is always, of course, Mr Tony Connell. Welcome back, Tony. Thanks very much, Thanks Jerry. for joining me Not on so. the show. 50 years ago, 1974, the first of them appeared. The Volkswagen Golf, you're going to reflect on it today after 50 years. It replaced... The Beetle. Yeah. Yeah, the Beetle, yeah. One of the best-selling cars in the world also. Uh, after the Ford Model T, I think. I'm pretty certain of that. Yeah. Open to contradiction. But uh, what a marvellous car. Like, when you look at the Beetle and where it went and the amount of people, farmers that bought the Beetle, like, you know, and no boost, just underneath the bonnet and put a tow bar on it and they were going to the creamery and going <laughs> away, away you go. Yeah, it was a marvellous car. And then the Golf came and oh, what a... Well, it was a controversial a time, you know, in, in terms of ending the production of the Beetle and bringing on board this new car, this totally new car, wasn't it? Oh, well, those that were absolutely mad in love with the Beetle. The Beetle remained manufactured in South America and there's a few of them brought in here actually. Yes. But you'd go to vintage rallies to this day and show, like, they're loved. They're absolutely loved. Mm. Uh, there's no question at all about it. But you love the Volkswagen Golf. I remember I, you I saying do, to yeah, me here. Yeah, yeah. Had you what you you had a couple of them? Had I you? did. I, I two. I had a Mark a Mark One GTA and a Mark Two GTA. Now, interesting. I think I read somewhere that power steering, but mine didn't have a power steering. The only thing that pulled the arms out of you. But, <laughs> but nevertheless, straight line stuff. It was it was fantastic. Seventy four, Tony. You wouldn't have. Well, was power steering in the Mark One? No, 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 no. And and what about headrests? And the headrests were headrests there. there it, yeah. it, it, there's a lot of stuff. It gradually got better. As opposed yeah. like the end of the time was, if the Toyota Corolla hadn't come out, the Mark One Corolla, they gave you the free headrest and the radio, and the mud flaps. Though the boys mightn't have bothered their head. Tony, you know. I'm laughing, thinking, when you say those three things, yeah. it sounds like another world those compared are, to the to yeah. technology you talk about uh, today absolutely. in the cars you but drive. You're looking at fuel injection, you're looking at so many changes that has taken place. Like, my God, I was thinking of someone now, I'm after forgetting it, but the changes that has taken place since then. Yeah. For, like airbags, no one had a clue what an airbag was. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and uh, transistorised uh, ignitions and disc brakes and mm. rather going away from the old shoe brake and t- <laughs> turbos <laughs> and 16 valve engines and, oh my god but look what a marvellous car yeah 37 million sold it was I suppose like other than driving see it was really a unisex car it wasn't a girl's car and it wasn't a man's car it was for both and to this day both persons especially young people loved mm. them loved mm. them but it's 37 million sold and then the other thing about it is um, if you bought a Golf and you minded your Golf 
I don't think if money in the bank, of course the bank will give you nothing now anyway, but I think of God for making more money today yes. anyway, definitely yeah. today. But but when you look at the different iterations of it, because come back to that, you say, yeah, when you think about the, the amount sold, 37 million, the third most popular car of all time mm, in yeah. terms of sales. But from the first one in 74 to the most recent model in 2020, there have been eight iterations of this car, right? Yes. Uh, 74, 83, 91, 97, 04, 08, 12, and, and then 20. I think the 12 model, I was just looking at me, myself this morning, yep. the 2012 model was a real, you know, advance and game changer, even in looks and everything. I was yes. looking at the different models, yes, Tony. Yes, yes. Would that be fair enough to yeah, say? Yeah, well, a lot of people loved uh, the seventh generation. Uh, the that, one just before? Just before. That, that one... The 08. The 08. Maybe it was the 08 I was looking at. It was, was one the of them that was... I was looking at there. Uh, no, the 08 actually... No. Uh, the 08 was short-lived. 20, they didn't... It no. was the 20... The Golf 7. The 7, I'm right. That's 2012. Right. Yeah. That yeah. was the one that really changed the game with, with, with the Golf car. It, it did indeed, yeah. And of course, you must remember one other thing about the Golf. Like, the amount of people... I remember... Lord of mercy, he's gone now, but a school teacher, and I don't know how many golfs he had, but he bought the first diesel golf, and there was the talk of the town. Yeah. And, you know, he was running it for tuppence a week or something, like something madly ridiculous. So, yes, look, they've been a great car, there's no doubt. And they have adapted. Like, they've gone now, like, you can get the e-golf, the electric golf, and you can get the, the petrol golf with the new one. The brand new one is coming, I think it's going to be available in most most power supplies. And uh, if if you're a car dealer, and if I was a car dealer and if I had plenty of money, I'd hunt down as many golfs as I could. And I'd uh, have them shining up and ask a few bob for them because you'll sell them. There's right. no sure thing, sure mm. thing that you'll sell a golf. You mentioned there someone you know. I, I, I'm nearly sure a friend of mine, he's been a golf fan all his life. And I'd say from the Mark II, not the 74, but the 83, yes. he's had every iteration since. It's just the seven of them. Yes. And now I'm not saying he waited till they changed. Mm. He changed his car regular yes. as well. Yes. But I don't think I've ever seen him in anything but a Volkswagen golf. That's commitment. But that says a lot about the car, doesn't uh, it? Absolutely. And when you look, if you go back, look on the dates, and we're open again to a little bit of contradiction of whatever, but when you look at the Mark 1, Mark 2s, it's 74, 83, that's nine years again, they changed it. Mm. 83, 91. Mm. So they weren't producing new cars, a facelift yes. every two years, and a brand yes. new one every four years. And you wonder, is that a better idea? But now you look at 2012, 2020, and again, here they are now in 2024 and going to bring out the 50th anniversary. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a little investment that could be. <laughs> and uh, colour white, what colour were yours, Tony? Black and red. Yeah, it was I, I, different colours. A red was Mark yeah. One, Mark Black was Mark Two. Oh, I I don't know what it is with me in a red car, but I love red in the colour of a car and red in a golf. It's just it's just the bee's knees. I just it? won't go away to red. Like it's just it's there forever. Like you know. It's, it's, it, it, and, and fifty years, and 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 they're bringing out a model, as you say. There, they're going to celebrate the fiftieth anniversary of the car as yeah, well, yeah. and it's available across fully electric. There's still right, petrol, right, diesel, hybrid, petrol, the whole, yeah, it's all yeah, there, yeah, all yeah, all of the marks yeah, there. Yeah. I wonder if there are anyone listening to us today who's a golf, a Volkswagen golf fan. If you are, let us know. Oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight by WhatsApp or text. We'd love to hear from you on the show this afternoon. 
Yeah, look, you see the way they adapted it, like the Golf Convertible, what a beautiful car that is. Like, mm. Then they had the Golf Estate in the latter years, you know, mm. so they've, they've, they've hit all the right buttons. Yeah, know? and Volkswagen have come through their challenges as well uh, with time, but they've emerged the other side and always regarded, you know, German engineering, Tony, as a solid car, solid investment, safe car. Yeah, well look, it was open close the doors of one and you know for yourself mm. then, like, you know, it's mm. a different feel really. It's, yeah. You could feel that clunk, <laughs> you know, it's just... It's yeah, just, yeah. Uh, and, that, and that's fantastic to, to experience. Anyway, we wish the Golf and all Volkswagen dealers a happy 50th birthday with the Golf celebrating at this time. Now let's stay on cars for a moment because I know you're going to talk about the NCT uh, in a moment and NCT fails and you're going to uh, look at that for us. But I've noticed something, and I said it to you when we were talking in recent days, fully electric cars. And especially, I was looking at a couple of Citroëns advertised there. Yes. I was looking at the price of them, you know, 28, 29,000, yes. below the yeah. 30, full electric. Prices of electric cars yeah, coming, coming down, down. Co- coming down, Jerry. It's not just not just the French that are doing it. The Germans have been doing it too. Like, uh, they're reducing the price of... of uh, ID3s, ID4s, that sort of thing. Uh, but the French here of C4, the EC4, the EC4X with savings of up to 9,000 to be had. Now, I, I, I welcome these reductions really with open arms. There's no question at all about it. But if Jerry Kelly had gone out and paid that 10,000 more, 9,000 more for I'd have to go into a little corner and have a cry because I wouldn't like to see anyone hurt like that and I hope some ways that is addressed. I don't know, is it? I didn't pop that question but but when you hear of cars I remember a sports car years ago was re- reduced and a fellow beside me bought one. He nearly died actually. He got mm. the shock of his life but they did refund him something, mm. you know. But it's just not to hurt people, you know. If that trend continues, you know, that, that it becomes more competitive, it will of course encourage more people to, yeah, to look at the full electric. Well, there's no doubt all about it. And just on the matter of full electric, there's a full electric show this weekend, 17th Saturday, in the RDS. Now, to go online, you get a free ticket. So that tells you something too. Like, it's you used to have to pay to go in and look at a now Volkswagen Golf or something. But <laughs> now they give you free tickets. So anyway, it's great. It's a welcome. So it's sponsored by Bank of Ireland. And the show is just www.nevo.ie. Go online to get your free ticket. There's 50 new cars there being launched, right? Excuse me. 50 electric vehicles on view with many new ones being launched and the top this will be from Porsches right down like right across the board and uh, like Peugeot will unveil the new 208E and the 308E brand new cars on the on that day on Saturday above in the RDS so <coughs> it's no harm to go they've all the back up there to tell you about the charging the investment borrowing money whatever else but as I say, cut your cloth to your measure take in all the information you, you can if you're asking how many miles Will it do in distance? It's a double barrel question. How many miles will it do in distance in the summer? And how many miles will it do in distance in the winter? And that's the... So the free the tickets, nevo.ie, is that it, Tony? nevo.ie, just go online and have a look. Order your tickets, you need those tickets, get them online, go to the RDS the weekend, and it's all electric there, and worth checking out, Tony. Uh, it ground. definitely is, now, I don't know will I be able to make it, but... but there's no question at all about seeing what's built up on it, not just cars, but you've all the vice in the world there behind it. And of course, they're there to sell too. So you just take your time and do your studies and do your comparisons. We're going to take a short break and late lunch. Tony Connellan's with us. If you want to put a question to him, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. We're coming back to chat about the NCT because the number of fails are significant. And Tony wants to point out 
several areas that you should look at uh, when you're intending to apply or have your car NCT'd. Stay with us in late lunch. Only I suspected that we have golf fans out there. Jerry, my first car was a 1979 second-hand golf, which I bought in 1988 when I was 21. What a wonderful car. Ain't surprised on that, the reliability. There's another one. Jerry, I love the golf. I currently have a 2017 white one. Looking to go up a few years to 21. Very reliable. And that's something we should... Uh, reliability. You know, full apologies. We we missed out that. I did miss that because that's the whole other secret. It's not just about design. It's reliability and, of course, the finance and the, the value factor. Absolutely. And the retention of value. That's yeah, the whole that's thing. That's the big know. thing. Yeah. Now, NCT fails, Tony. Yeah. You want to talk about this specifically on the show today. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to believe because, well, you know, like there's so many things happening out there, I suppose. And, and despite all the... The things we hear about taking care of your car and having your car serviced and all that, people still go on. But it's it's interesting to fathom this one. Nearly half the 1.5 million cars that were tested recorded a fail. That's 747. Now, that that's frightening. 747,000 cars. cars fail. It's a huge failure rate. And, and what are they saying? Statistics. It's showing that during 2023, they're saying, of course, steering and suspension. Well, that's something that you and I can't see. We can't, that yeah. has to be investigated by a garage a mechanic, a qualified person. Lighting and electrical. Lighting, we can do a weekly test on that. Check all the lights, your brake lights and everything. Besides slip tests, which measures how a car can maintain a straight line when driven without steering wheel input that's something you and I really can't do either so it's up to the garage there but here's something we can do 10% 75,000 fails were because of tyres now isn't that isn't that frightening how many times have we talked about it here you talked about it we had features on it as well saying to people you know if you went down Shop Street here at Drogheda today and had someone do a survey just, just for people to show them the soles of their shoes they'll have lovely tread on them I guarantee the majority of them you won't see too many going around with with, with no tread on their, on their shoes or whatever yeah. but that's frightening and you're putting your family under risk and everything and a visual check there's little there's visual things here you can do to, to check this you can check the tread depth the legal limit is 1.6 millimetres now if you're going to let it go that low as I say you're nearly a miserable old devil because I wouldn't let it go that slow if you can at all because especially the weather we're in. Now I know the boat is going to get mild again with the help of God. Dangerous level of damage, cuts or bulges. You can look at that. You can definitely see, see those See that on the tire. Yeah, That's visible that. if you now, see You might see it in behind but if, no. you, if something like your steering starts shaking all of a sudden that could be a bulge and that's mm. telling you a story and if you're not getting the same natural feel today as you got yesterday how you're steering have that car checked. Okay. That's one thing I've definitely said to you. Mismatched tyres. Uh, look, look, you don't see a footballer going out wearing two different types of boots, fo- football boots, or someone going out with a green shoe and a red shoe. You know, maybe, maybe that from a fashion perspective, mismatched tyres. They're all different slip factors. They're all could be no EU regulations in one of them and EU regulations in the other, and then same tyres and the same axles for a valuable thing. That is common sense, and. If you don't want to have to repay... Now, tyres also have a lifespan. Like about five years is a lifespan. They can start uh, perishing, having a perish look on them, and that's a fail. 
So 75,000 folks, people fail because of the tyres. And there's things, as Tony said, we can do there. So that mix and match thing, if you have a tyre, I always found that if I had a problem with a tyre, I'd change two of them at least. At least two, you know what I mean? On the recommendation of the tyre person, if the other two are good enough. But, you know, just patching things up is not it. Yes, and just stay with you on that for a moment, Jerry. Uh, I I, I acknowledge Continental doing this and Tom Dennigan. These are true results. I know they're probably trying to sell a few extra tyres out of all these results, but they're not not there to tell lies or anything. These are facts. The research has been spent on this and uh, money has been spent on the research of this and all. It's facts. You mentioned there at least by two tyres. I I totally agree with you on that. And I would have my tyres examined too by an expert, uh, whether just your own visualise. But don't forget if you have a spare wheel. Now, I remember not too long ago, eight out of ten cars I drove at the Irish Car of the Year Awards, eight out of ten did not have spare wheels. But if you're lucky enough, one of those that has a spare wheel, check your spare wheel too. And if it's an emergency wheel, check your emergency wheel. And if you have a well in the car that will take an emergency wheel or a full spare wheel, consider buying one. Because car companies are not putting the spare wheels in. They're giving you a bottle of glue that's not worth a damn. And if someone gets stuck, your wife, your girlfriend, your daughter or whatever, I'm being sexist now, I'm saying women, I could go home with a bottle of glue and I, I mightn't have a bad look with either on the side of the road. But if you can get a car, a spare wheel into that car, I would do that. Part worn tyres? No. Simple as? Simple as. Or someone else's. I, I, you know, I've, my shoes are worn, I throw them out. Mm. And you're making, Tony's making a great analogy there today with footwear and shoes and sportswear. We don't scrimp on them. The tyres are all you have between you and the road and safe driving as well in an emergency stop, bad weather or whatever. We've got to say that again. 75,000 fails, not a chance. The one thing about what you went through then, you've mentioned garage and haven't checked out. Do you recommend, some people bring the car to the NCT and say, I'll let it fail and then get, what needs to be done? What do you say to those well, people? Do you know, I can see sometimes, some way I can see a little bit of reason in that, but you're maybe driving with a fault and you're putting other people in danger too. If your car fails, like, are they going to take the car off you? I don't believe so. You have to go off and get it fixed. And you could be driving back to your garage with a, a ward suspension unit or a ball joint or track red end or a bad tyre and you're failed. They're not going to put aside and repair your car in the NCT centre. So I really don't go along with it, Jerry. I, I can envisage why some people would do it, but I don't go along with it because you're putting maybe yourself, your family and others in danger. Yeah. Very, very important. Get to your say, car like, checked out in the garage. Get it checked before you go to the NCT. Well said. 30 seconds left. Citroen, you wanted to mention something oh, else one other just thing, before we just go. go. They also are offering a 50% contribution to a three-year service plan. They have a 0% APR finance. There have a lot of things going on there to encourage people in. You'll see that in the RDS at the weekend. You'll see them all doing deals at the weekend. Tony, as usual, thank you for joining us on the show. See you next month and uh, looking forward to our chat already. Thanks for all your messages on Shrove Tuesday about pancakes. What kind of person would put maple syrup on the pancakes? Lots do. When they can use local honey. That's Ed from Drada Honey. It's lovely honey, it is. Yeah, and honey is beautiful. But look, I suppose if you're somewhere else in the world, they'd be asking, why are you using honey when we have <laughs> maple syrup? It's the taste of the world today. There's another lovely recipe recipe there for Louise. I know we were talking about thin pancakes and we love them but Paul O'Malley's been on. Thank you Paula to say here's a lovely old fashioned recipe that won't disappoint. One and a half cups of flour, three and a half teaspoons of baking powder, one tablespoon of caster sugar, half a teaspoon of salt, 
one and a quarter cups of milk, one egg, three tablespoons of melted butter. Combine the whole lot together. It's thick enough, Jerry. But when you fry them, they rise up and they're lovely and fluffy. Sounds mm. lovely, doesn't it? Mm. I think a few blueberries in that or something like that mm. that would burst when you cook them would be lovely. Ice cream. Yeah, nice recipe. I love it, Paula. Thanks for getting in touch with us on the show today. I am really sad, Louise, mm. that Marks and Spencer in Drogheda is closing. I have to say. It's and I, shocking news. It's shocking. And I think of our Lisa, Lisa Smith, who's mm. so good to us on the show. And what a woman she is for, at For Fashion. And all of the staff down there, all who were called in today and told that the jobs were gone. It's the only M&S store closing in Ireland. And it doesn't make sense to me in the largest town in Ireland with a huge growing population. But obviously they've said the footfall is not in the Lawrence Centre. And I think, again, it comes down to the fact that the centre of especially Drogheda is a disgrace. Mm-hmm. It's basically disgraceful. And it's just, I don't know what to say, but, you know, this and that is happening and those responsible for it are trying to do an initiative over on uh, Narrow West Street, the, the Westgate end, and that's to be welcomed, of course. But it's just been allowed to disintegrate and decline for years and years and years. And the chickens come home to roost. It's a big loss to the town. It's a huge loss to the people who work there and it will be missed. I say that. I love the store. I was always in and out, especially for the food end of things. But there you go. A decision made at corporate level with underpinning reasons that point to others for their failings, may I say. That's what I would say. And it's only a symptomatic of the way uh, the town has been neglected and allowed decline to the extent that it has. And it's an absolute shame, I say, a shame. But I think of the people in M&S this afternoon. It's really sad for them and their families. And I hope they're looked after and they a pick up, time, yeah. you know, gains from employment. And they're offered to others. Yeah. Yes, I, I, I hope that's the great hope today. But a huge loss, I have to say, this afternoon. Um... Let's do this now, just after 10 past, for our Artist of the Week. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. Yes, it is Bob Marley all this week. Uh, let's pick up the story in 1972. Marley and the Whaler signed with CBS Records. However, Chris Blackwell from Island Records, who had recently lost his big star, Jimmy Cliff, offered Bob and the boys a £4,000 advance. Now, that was a lot in 72, I can tell you, for an album, which, of course, they snapped up. They went back to Jamaica from London, where they recorded Catch a Fire, which was released in April 1973 to wide critical acclaim. But it wasn't enough to keep them together because the following year in 74, the three original members, including Bob, parted ways to pursue solo careers. However, Bob Marley himself continued as Bob Marley and the Whalers with a totally new lineup. And in 1975, well, the big breakthrough happened with a live version of No Woman, No Cry, which became a huge international hit. Back home in Jamaica, where he was at the time, political unrest was widespread. And Bob, his wife Rita and their manager, Michael Manley, were lucky to escape with their lives when the home was attacked by gunmen. The, the other two were seriously injured but recovered. Bob wasn't uh, too badly injured but badly shaken up. 
it meant really the end of Bob and uh, the band in Jamaica because they decamped to London in 1976 where he would go on with the group and the record label and manager to produce some of his finest work. I'll pick it up from there tomorrow on the show. But for today, I could do No Woman, No Cry, I've just mentioned, but I decided to keep that later in the week. And with pancakes in mind, this is my perverse way of thinking, I decided to pick jamming. Jamming on your pancakes this evening. Here we go with Bob. Bob Marley and the Whalers jamming. There'll be a lot of people jamming their pancakes this evening. Will with butter. People love jamming butter and the pancakes as well. Anyway, jamming session, getting together, you know what it means. That's our featured song from our featured artist today on Late Lunch. Final break this Tuesday afternoon and after the break, uh, we're going to hear about a delightful little project uh, that uh, Clanmore have launched and Ned Rispin is with me next. Hi, my name is Michael English. I have the same rights as everyone else in Ireland. My name is David. I have the same rights as everyone else in Ireland. Hi guys, my name is Nathan Carter and I have plans, dreams and goals. Hello, I am Yes, just some of the voices there from a delightful new project uh, brought to us by Clan Moore in Navin. And Ned Rispin is on the line to tell me more. Afternoon, Ned. Hi, how are you? I'm really good. Uh, got this from you earlier today. It really impressed me. You have many people on talking on that little audio piece there and it's available on a video actually across your social media platforms. Uh, what's the idea behind it, Ned? I suppose it, it originated from in Clonmore, we support people with intellectual disabilities to live in the community and we have an advocacy group and that group uh, came up with the idea about wanting to create awareness about people with disabilities but also to say that uh, people with disabilities have the same rights as everybody else. And it kind of mushroomed from there then. That, that's that's where it originated from. It's a one country, one voice uh, is the name of, of the project. And you have ordinary folks uh, speaking on it and saying their piece. But a lot of celebrities have come behind you and backed you in this. The likes of Daniel O'Donnell, Nathan Carter and many more famous people. They're on this as well. Yeah, absolutely. We, we um, uh, A lot of the people that we support love country music uh, and uh, would have been to all of these people, seen them in shows. And they said, look, let's get country musicians to say what we're saying so that uh, there's a, a wider spread. And uh, the purpose of this is to say to people that everybody has a voice, everybody has a right to be who they are, everybody has a right to be a valued human being in this country. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we're we all individuals. We all have plans and dreams and goals. And we all can be kind to each other, even though sometimes we're not. 
And I suppose uh, these group of people uh, in Clonmore wanted to highlight that. And they wanted to spread it to more people. And that's why they involved the country musicians who absolutely bought in straight away. There was no... There was no challenge with regard to getting the support from the country musicians that are on it. And it's a massive list. Like we've, we've Daniel, we've Margot, Michael English, Jimmy Buckley, mm-hmm. Derek Ryan, Claudia Buckley, Nathan Carter, uh, Matt Levy. Like it's a massive... Um, so who's who? Exactly. It's the who's who of country music in Ireland at the moment. It certainly is. And, and tell me this, like when you produced it and, and well done to all those people for supporting it and they were absolutely, as you say, totally willing... Two things. Does it say that, you know what I mean, that people who have, you know, challenges in their lives are not regarded as equal, are not getting, you know, what they're entitled to or their rights? Is that what, is that what it's saying, Ned? Well, that's part of it. It's, it's an overall picture of uh, everybody has the right to uh, aim, plan, dream and goal mm. uh, for their lives. But yeah, the, the people with disabilities sometimes, um, you know, don't, uh, you know, get the same rights as everybody else uh, or maybe are treated a little bit differently because they're a little bit different themselves. But you and I know both that uh, everybody's different. <laughs> we're, all, we're all different. There's none of us uh, perfect. So, um, and I suppose these group of people wanted to say, well, actually, you know, we're important. We're, we, we have rights. Uh, we have dreams. And we want people to be kind to us and be equal to us. Where does this go? Yeah, where does this go? You know, you, you sent it into me here, and we played a little excerpt from it there, and it's available online, of course, the place. Where does this travel? You know, who do you want to see this? Well, uh, I suppose we're delighted with the response that we've got to date, and um, uh, if if anybody goes on to Clonmore, um, the Clonmore Facebook page or Instagram. Uh, we would really like for people to share this because it's a really important message, uh, particularly for the world we live in right now, that we all need to be maybe a little bit kinder to each other and we all need to uh, listen to each other and value each other as people. I wish... I wish um you know, that that message was, would carry a new message far beyond the shore to other places. And I know we, we have our challenges here in Ireland to other, you know what I'm talking about, other places in the yeah, world where just yeah. chaos reigns at the moment. And you have to ask yourself, why? What the hell is going on? And why, if we had a bit more of that respect, wouldn't it make an awful difference to, to the world we live in? Obviously, those who are featured from Clanmore and others are uh, must be thrilled to see it and, and the legs it's getting and, and the endorsement it's got from those famous people? Yeah, I, I mean, I suppose the, uh, each of the people that spoke in the video were speaking opposite a celebrity that yeah. they would like or they admire. So we had Margaret, we had Tara, we had David, we had Mary, we had Lynn, Emma, Judy, Philip and Owen. And, and they were all really excited about being part of this project. Um, and, and to be speaking opposite uh, some, and sometimes their idol. Yeah, yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, you can see it and the joy in them and the way they yeah. deliver, deliver it, the message themselves with such gusto and, and uh, feeling. It's it's great. I, I really do like it. Just remind people again where the, this can be checked out. Clonmore.ie, that's C-L-A-N-N-M-O-R.ie on your website and across social media, Ned. Yeah, I suppose social media is where we really want to target people because if people share this, then the message will spread. Yeah. 
And uh, we have Facebook and Instagram. So just if you check out uh, Clonmore, if you go into Facebook and just uh, type in Clonmore, it'll come up. I and we'd, lo- we'd, we'd love for people to share to it. To share it, that's it. I was going to say that. Share it, see it, share it, spread the message, get the word out there and live every day and help people to live the message that it's sending out there. Ned, good to talk to you today. Well done. Thank you very much. Thank Not you. at all. Take care of yourself. That's Ned Rispin there from Clonmore in Navin. Concluding our late lunch on this Pancake Tuesday. Enjoy your eggs, uh, milk, flour, water, butter, sugar, lemon, whatever way you want to do it this evening with your pancakes because tomorrow is Ash Wednesday. But it's Valentine's Day too. So it's a real dichotomy tomorrow Wednesday and we'll be reflecting that here on Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. We'll see you for Wednesday show from 1.30. Take care. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.